Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Uh, it's a great day. You got some rain, so thank you all for that. Appreciate that. Uh, hey, I want to brag on my mom uh, for a second. And, and uh, really, am I not on? I think I'm green. I'm green. Am I not on? I think you are. Okay. All right. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Cool. All right. Cool. Brag on my mom uh, for a quick second because uh, I want you all to know how uh, savage my mom can be. She's awesome. She's great. She can be super savage, especially when it comes to restaurants, and it's hilarious. One of the funniest things she's ever said uh, about a restaurant was Sonic, so I think that's fair game. I think we can all, you know, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> she said the best thing at Sonic is their ability to freeze water into ice. <laughs> I was like, geez, that's a great line, Mom. I was dying. I love that. My mom is amazing. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Love you. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, but... I just had to share that. It's one of my all-time favorites. Hey, uh, we're going to continue uh, the sermon kind of from last week. Started it, did part one. We're going to finish it up, part two. Um, if you were not here last week, we talked about James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Uh, faith without works or faith without action uh, is really dead faith. And so, uh, you know, for our purposes and because we've got some time, let's read that together. So open your Bibles to James chapter 2 verses 14 through 26. We'll uh, refresh our minds, make it clear, and just in case anybody wasn't here last week, we know what we're working with, all right? James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God, good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Love this passage. This was a passage, my very first sermon 10 years ago was on this passage. It was great to come 10 years forward in time and revisit this passage and revisit my sermon and kind of see... Uh, what would I say about it 10 years later? And it's a good point. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily have changed anything, but I think I just have greater depth or greater uh, thoughts or different thoughts to add to it. So we did that last week. We looked at the major reason that our faith and actions get out of sync, and that is desire and wisdom. All right? We all have desires for things that we think will make us happy to some degree. We don't tend to desire things that we think are going to be truly detrimental to our well-being. Therefore, we go after these desires. We go after these things. 
Now, we can be ignorant of whether this desire actually will make us happy, and this is where wisdom comes in. This is why desire and wisdom, because wisdom teaches us, hey, don't desire that. That's not going to pay out like you think it's going to pay out. That's not going to bring the happiness or the pleasure you think it is in the long run. Don't do that. That's why wisdom is so important to guide us in what to desire. Amen? And we find that in God's Word. It is full of it. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Amen. Now, this can be, how this can be detrimental to our faith and actions, staying in rhythm, that's what we've really been talking about, is that uh, how this can be detrimental is because we desire these things more than we desire God. And that was really the main point of last week. If we desire other things above our desire for God, then our faith and our actions are inevitably going to get out of sync, out of rhythm, because wherever we desire something above God, we're going to go do that thing rather than maybe doing what we should be doing or what the Bible says we should be doing or acting out of faith, right? It's kind of simple. I gave an illustration with money, but we can really apply it to anything. I mean, if you have a desire, oh my gosh, what was my example? Desire for safety, right? And you desire that above doing God's will. Well, what happens if God calls you to a potentially dangerous situation? We're going through the book of Acts. Paul would be like, ha, you desire safety? Ha, I don't think you can make it one day with me in my mission, right? We're getting stoned left and right. We're getting beat up. We're getting ridiculed. I'm getting shipwrecked. I'm going without food. He's like, yeah, you got to throw that thing down, all right? Put that down on the priority list, okay? Right? You see how that can happen. I talked about money. If we desire money above God, then what happens when God calls you to give? And to give, give bountifully? Are we going to say no? No way. I don't know. See how that can get us out of sync. Our faith and our actions can get out of sync if we find ourselves desiring other things. So I really encourage you, think through that, reflect, pray about that. What do I really desire? What am I thinking about constantly on a regular basis? What am I daydreaming about? What am I desiring so much and I think, man, my life will be so great if I just have this. What is it to you? What is it? And I want to add to the last week's sermon. Desires aren't all of them aren't inherently evil or bad. And I want to make that clear, okay? It's not like you, you should desire God and nothing else in life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we have to have them in the right priority list, all right? And that was really Augustine's big point, all right? Got to have God first. And how it will work is, say these are your desires, and you put God above, right? That desire to honor God, to follow Him, will keep those desires in check. It'll keep them in the bounds that are good. It'll keep them from getting out and then eventually getting on top. And now those desires become more important than God's desires. All right? Again, I could use, I could use the uh, analogy of, of sex. Nothing wrong with desiring sex. Keep it in God's bounds, good. Right? If it drives you and it's more important than God's word, well, then that's when right? We start disobeying God. That's when our faith and our actions are not lining up with each other, right? Made pretty sense, all right? Another point from last week. I asked, does God want you to be happy? And Brent asked an amazing question, all right? What is happiness? Great questions beget great answers, and great answers beget greater questions. <laughs> it's kind of a beautiful thing, but it's great. So I went to work. I was like, oh, that's really interesting, Brent. I'm going to go to work on that this, past, uh, this week. I definitely don't think this is the end-all be-all, but I found one interesting point. Again, I think we have a disposition 
a uh, disposition to the core that we will go and try to seek happiness and we will make that the end-all be-all of our lives, all right? It is built into the Declaration of Independence. We have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? It is in our culture to pursue happiness to the core of us and to make our whole lives about pursuing happiness. And I went to God's Word, and I don't think the pursuit of happiness in God's Word is supposed to be the end-all, be-all of our lives. That's what I'd maybe say to that. Again, does God want you to be happy to a certain degree? Absolutely. We find joy all throughout the New Testament, right? We find blessedness. Jesus talks about blessed, right, are these people in the Beatitudes. So I don't want you to be scared that God doesn't care about that and he just wants your life to just be horrible. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think he will say to us, hey, happiness is not the end-all be-all of your life. Not everything is about trying to make you happy. There are other more important things. And here's the really, really cool thing about that. Here's a really, really cool thing about that. John Stuart Mill, a philosopher, all right, he found in his own personal experience, which I think Jesus would obviously was, was, was showing, was teaching, he found that if I make happiness my goal and my aim, he's like, I never seem to reach it. I never seem to get it. But he found if I have purpose in life, and I find purpose, and I start going for that purpose, I find that happiness becomes this byproduct that I get as I'm pursuing this purpose. So happiness is one of those cool things in life that you can't really get by aiming or going after it. It's kind of fascinating. Humility is another one of those examples. You ever try to become more humble by really focusing on trying to become more humble? You usually become more prideful in your perceived humility, right? You actually have to really forget yourself. You have to stop thinking about yourself. You have to stop thinking about how am I coming off, and that's when you become really humble because you're not thinking about yourself anymore, right? You can't really get it by going after it. You have to go a different way, and it becomes a byproduct. Happiness is one of those things. So that's what I would add to that conversation. Um, if that made sense, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. If it didn't, I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we got to keep going on this passage because we're going to get done, all right? So that first point on your outline, again, was faith and actions. How can we sync them up? How can we get them working together in a beautiful, beautiful music? Love listening to music. You see all the instruments in sync working together. How can we get faith and actions working together? Again, we have to look at our desires. We have to look at wisdom. What am I making my life about? That will definitely get those things out of sync and playing two different tunes. And it won't be cool like some artists can do that. All right? But the second point that I want to talk about is another really important point, all right? Living with purpose, kind of as John Stuart Mill was talking about, God's purpose, doing his will, will get us joy, as we see joy, a fruit of the Spirit, right? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for joy. Then I want to encourage you in our pursuit of bringing faith and actions back together, we must live with passion. Must live with passion. It's kind of an interesting word. Again, another very culturally loaded word. We hear that all the time. What's your passion? What are you passionate about? Go and live your passion, right? We hear that all the time. This one I want to add to that and kind of unpack that term, all right? 
Uh, Soren Kierkegaard, uh, I apologize, I'm bringing out a lot of philosophers, definitely not to look smart, I just, that's what I'm reading right now, and so I'm like, this is so awesome, man, how can I fit into a sermon, all right? Um, but I just really enjoy it, and again, Kierkegaard is another one of these, like Augustine, who was a philosopher and theologian, and really did not see a difference between the two. Philosophy was the pursuit of truth, the love of truth, love of wisdom, and he believed he found that in God. And so therefore, he studied God, and he pursued God, and thus he's a theologian as well. He kind of was like, I'm doing the same thing. What's the difference? And he talks all about his two main themes of, of most of his works, if you really had to simplify them and, and get to the base root, was faith and passion. Those were his two themes. Essentially, faith and action. And he was uh, writing in a time in Denmark where everybody was a Christian. And he has this great little antidote of a wife, or a husband asks his wife, hey, am I a Christian? She's like, of course you are. Uh, you go to church, and the king's a Christian. So yes, of course you're a Christian. <laughs> we would say, eh, okay, I don't know if that's the, the you, you know, rule of thumb to be a Christian. But he really was diving into, uh, what does it really look like to live out your faith? What does it really look like to live as a Christian? And for him, it definitely took faith, absolutely. And he brought that into the philosophical um, kind of... Uh, philosophical discussion, um, but it, for him, it really boiled down to, you got to live with passion. you got to live, you have to live like you mean what you believe, like you actually believe it, right? And he has this great, great uh, quote, and I want to read it to you, and I think it's going to be really interesting. Check this out. He says this, where is there more truth? In someone who worships the true God, but does so with no passion. Or in an individual who worships a false god, but does so with all the passion of infinity. It's a fascinating one. It's kind of interesting. What's interesting is he doesn't answer it. He kind of leaves it to the reader, but I think he, uh, he obviously kind of shows his hand in the very first line of this quote. Where is there more truth? Not where is there truth, where is there more truth? So he is implying there is some truth in believing in the true God. There is also some truth in living with the passion of infinity. And that's what he's kind of showing in this very uh, kind of cool statement. The profound conclusion that Kierkegaard, again, doesn't answer, but I just kind of answered relates back 10 years ago when I said that faith is made complete by action. We saw that in our passion. Actions make complete our faith. Faith makes complete our action. There is truth in faith and in action only when you combine the two in a cohesive whole. Where the actions stem from your faith are done by faith in God. Then your faith will be made complete. Again, there is some truth in living with passion to the infinity. There is some truth in believing in the true God. Combine them together, and now, baby, we got some capital T truth we can be proud of. And that's Kierkegaard. You know, as Art of Manliness, I always quote them, Brett McKay, he's always like, Kierkegaard would come up to you, grab you by the shirt, and say, do you actually believe what you believe? And do you live so? And that was him, man. Do you live it? Are you living it? Because you're, and he might be pretty bold, he probably would be pretty bold. Hey, your life's not looking like it. You say you believe in God, but how are you living your life? Come on, 
You're not, you're not complete. You're not figuring it out. And of course, he'd be gracious. And golly, let us all be gracious to each other this morning. And believe me, I'm gracious to you because I'm just in the same boat of trying to get these faith and actions back into sync. And sometimes we do it really well, and sometimes we're off beat. And it's just like, I can't figure out the beat right now, and I can't get back on it, right? It happens. Amen. Thank you, God, for his grace and his mercy. But I think we always want to keep practicing, right? Always want to keep practicing. Amen. Passion, kind of a hard word to define, but uh, if I had to put some words, by no means is this the full definition. But it, it's an inwardness. Uh, it's an inwardness, an inward disposition. It's an inwardness. It's an earnestness. It's a focus, right? Uh, very emotionally charged can be, but passion obviously is not always emotionally charged. So don't feel like it's reserved to an emotion, right? It's not the, always the case. It's an inwardness. It's an inwardness that, that mothers feel towards their children, right? They are always got their children's back. Man, I almost used, how about I just use it now? We got some time. It's an inwardness that my mom has towards me when I got hurt in high school by a girl, right? And my mom was about to go hold my hoops. I'm about to go smack this girl around, you know? Like, kid you not. I mean, my mom has an inwardness to protect and to look out for me and all her children. And I know you mothers, all of you have that inwardness to, to want the best for your children. And, and, and it drives you. And it, and it drives you. And it's, it's why you have anxiety about your kids, because you care so dang much about them and their well-being, and it's why you, you want to go, you know, slap somebody around when you feel like your, your child's not being treated well or, or getting a fair shake. I mean, I get that, and that's amazing. You have passion for your children. That's so beautiful, and that's amazing. I commend you for that. Man, let's look at some women. Let's brag on women this morning. Amen. Mary, right? Mother of Jesus. Hey, you're going to conceive, there's not going to be a guy in the picture, and you're living in a culture where a baby out of wedlock is like the lowest of the low. You could potentially be stoned. And worse yet, you're going to tell everybody, hey, this was God who did this to me. Yeah, right, right? I think they would have as hard a time believing that as we would today, right? But what does she say in Luke, Luke chapter, uh, I didn't get the reference, one or two, I'm the Lord's servant, be it unto me as you have said. Oh, passion, inwardness for the Lord. Esther risked her life, went into the king's court when she was not summoned, could have easily been killed on the spot, but had an inwardness to save her people and had courage to do that. Beautiful. Ruth, an inwardness towards her mother-in-law, right? Man, your people will be my people. Your God, my God. And I will go to a land that is not my own. An inwardness. Oh, beautiful. Rahab as our picture as our passage uh, showed us, Rahab in a city of, of people that believed in a whole different God, she, she kind of breaks the mold and she actually, if you read that story, she has heard about this God, heard about what happened in Egypt, and she, of all the people in the city, actually responds to this God, right, and does so so boldly. She's technically a traitor of Jericho. I mean, she would have been killed on the spot, but she responded to the truth of this God who had done these amazing things in Egypt and hid the spot and sent them in a different direction. She had inwardness. I think of Hannah. Hannah, her inwardness, her passion with the Lord, praying, persevering, asking the Lord for a child. And eventually she does have a child. Samuel. I kid you not, I think Samuel is the most underrated 
figure in the Bible. He always gets forgotten. So critical to the Old Testament. So critical to Israel. Such amazing character. And, and Hannah's the mother of, of him. And so beautiful. And lastly, J.L. I think J.L.? J.L.? I don't know how to pronounce it. The inwardness. Sisera, leader of a you know, bad army. Hey, come, come, I'll hide you in my tent. Here, I'll put this tarp over you. Hey, honey, can I get the uh, tent peg real quick? Thanks. Wah! <laughs> Baby, yeah, tent peg through the temple. That's some inwardness. That's some focus, right? That's an earnestness saying, yeah, yeah, you're done, do I love that. I love those examples, man. Women, you're an example to us all. Mothers, you're an example to us all. We praise you. You are great examples of passion, of inwardness. And this is what Kierkegaard and Godly James and Jesus and Paul and Peter and everybody in the New Testament that's following after Jesus are saying, hey, you got to live with this. This is truth. You say you believe in me. You say you believe in God. Then, then live it. And live it with earnestness and urgency. For the days are evil. Take every opportunity. Our time is short. It feels long. We just went to a graduation. It's been eight years since I graduated. And I'm like, holy cow, where's the time flown? Just turned 30 last Sunday, and I'm like, holy cow, it, it's just flying. And I, I, you know, I've talked with all of you people all the time. You're like, it just gets quicker. It just gets quicker. And we just got to make our lives with focus and live our lives with focus. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. All right, I'm going to live that way. I'm going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness above all else. I'm going to do God's will above all else. I'm going to trust him. That if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. He knows your heart. He knows your desires. Man, I think he's a good, good father that wants to give his children good, good gifts. He has all that in place. He has that for you. He just doesn't want you to make your whole life about that. He wants you to trust him. Trust him that he knows what's best for you. Trust him that he is looking out for you. Man, trust him. He's got such great things for you. And we're all different. We're all quirky and different and unique. And guess what? He knows exactly who you are and how you're wired and what would just make your heart sore and just be like, this is the most incredible thing. This is what life is about. He knows that. And he's saying, trust me. I'll lead you. Trust me. It won't always happen on your own time. It won't always happen maybe in the way it looked like or you had in your mind you wanted it to play out. But he's saying, trust me. Make your life about me. Trust me. I got good things for you. I got good things for you. Where's your faith this morning? Where's your trust this morning? Again, I just want you to think about that. And think about that this week. Where's your faith? How are you doing with trusting God? Where are you at? Again, golly, I don't fault you. I don't fault you at all. You got small faith? That's okay. No biggie, right? No one, uh, what's the, uh, don't, uh, my version's going to say, don't poo-poo the day of small beginnings, but I know it's, that's not the phrase, right? But, hey, no big deal, right? Uh, I love the Chinese proverb, uh, best day to plant a tree was 50 years ago. Second best day to plant a tree is today. Oh, love that proverb. Today's the day, baby. Yeah. If you find yourself, man, I don't really have much faith. Okay, what are you doing about that? What are you doing about that? Are we reading God's Word? Are we talking with people? Are we asking questions to get good answers that are going to lead to better questions? Are we doing that? 
Are we taking baby steps? I love C.S. Lewis, man. C.S. Lewis is so great. He's like, golly, we get so hard on ourselves sometimes because we we're not perfect. And he's like, God looks at you like a little baby. And nobody looks at a little baby trying to walk and is like, geez, golly, come on, buddy. What are you doing? You know, get a job. Holy cow, you know. No, we're like, oh my gosh, take a baby step. And, and that's what God is doing to us. He's saying, man, I see it. You're trying. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You're trying. I'm proud of you. I tell college, my college group, I do not expect perfection. I just expect effort. I just expect effort. That's all I want. And I can do a lot with effort as a pastor. And God can do a whole heck of a lot with effort. Right? Just want effort. Amen? And that's passion. Passion is effort. Right? Again, living with that. Driving that. Beautiful, man. I want to encourage you all to keep going in that. Keep going in that. I encourage you. Man, you're going to get there. I promise you. It, it gets hard. I get it. Boy, it gets hard trying to, uh, trying to overcome certain sins, trying to break certain sin, you know, strongholds or habits. Um, it can get really brutal and you can just feel like it's never, never going to change. And I'm never going to change. That desire in me is never going to change. I, I get that. Gosh, been there. Done that. Still doing that, right? Probably going to do that for the whole, my whole life to some degree. Um, but gosh, I trust God, and that's when we just lean on the Lord and we say, thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God. You are great. I don't look at myself. I don't think, oh my gosh. You know, I take my eyes off of myself. And I just look at God and I just praise Him again. Hallelujah. Thank God. He, he, he sticks with me when my faith and my actions are so out of sync, you know? Thank God for Nick that lets me play the drums on youth and, and he knows, boy, Grant's off. <laughs> Grant's off. And he's so gracious and he lets me keep playing and God is saying that to you. Hey, you're not out of this. I'm not sidelining you. I'm not done with you. Yeah, let's keep practicing, baby. You know, you're going to get it. And it's going to be great. And boy, you're going to make a beautiful song. And I'm going to use you to bless people. I'm going to use you to bless your family and your community and your workplaces. And it's going to be wonderful. And it's just going to be a joy to do that together as much as it is a joy to make music on Wednesday nights with Nick. Man. And I think that's why James eventually comes to and he kind of hides it in his passage. What good is it? Who, who benefits from, from faith that has no actions? Who benefits? Right? That's like not playing music. Who benefits from no music, right? And what a blessing music is. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. I want you in on this. I want you in on making this song. I want your input. I want your creativity. Bring it, you know? There are rules when it comes to drums, but golly, all instruments, there's tremendous openness to creativity. And that's wonderful. That's exciting for those that are like, you know, that are kind of maybe wired that way. You're not going to get honed in. God's not going to box you in and you're going to look like this little uniform thing. No, no, he's going to take the best of you and he's going to just make it just grow and blossom and be even more beautiful. And it's exciting. But again, what benefit is it? And I, I made that point 10 years ago and I want to encourage you again. Um, this doesn't benefit anybody if our faith and our actions are out of sync. So let's get them into sync. And let's benefit the world. Again, we, we went through Genesis and our Tuesday night small groups. And we see how much God's plan for Israel, for Abraham, Isaac, these offsprings, Jacob, to be a blessing to all nations. 
And uh, we get to carry that on. We carry the torch of that uh, charter commission to be a blessing. And we got to do that by keeping our faith and our actions in sync. Keep growing in your faith. Keep growing in, in your actions. Keep growing in wisdom. I, I, I probably I keep missing this point, but I want to keep saying that. Wisdom is so important, too, because sometimes what's the wise way to act out your faith in this situation? <laughs> right? And that takes wisdom, and that takes uh, real discernment and, and seeking the Lord. And, and what's the wise thing to do? Right? Because it's not always cookie cutter. It's not always this reaction or this action in this situation. Uh, it's very nuanced, tremendously nuanced. And that takes wisdom. That takes following the Lord. It takes seeking the Lord in prayer. And so continue to encourage you guys. Oh, my last point was that Paul and James don't contradict each other. If you, you read Romans, you read Paul's letters, Romans, Galatians, you'll see that, you know, you might be like, wait a minute, I thought Paul was all about, you know, faith, faith saves you, faith apart from works. And Paul was all about like, no, don't do works. That's really bad. But James is like bringing it forward. No, they don't actually contradict each other by any means. And I think, uh, Paul really experienced this, uh, you know, warring desires in his heart in Romans 7 where he talks about, you know, I want to do good, but I can't help but do bad. And I think we can all relate with that. Can we not? Gosh, Grant, you know, you might be saying, Grant, I'm trying. I want to do good. I want to follow God. I want to obey. I just, I just can't seem to do it all the time or, or can't do it most of the time. I just find this something else in me that's driving me. Towards, this, towards, towards doing what I don't want to do. And Paul got that, and he ends that little passage with saying, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, Jesus is the one who will save us. Jesus is the one who will change our desires. Jesus is the one that will help us and walk us along, take us by the hand and walk you along and say, I will help you. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to be a coach that's just going to be ripping you, you know, up and down every step of the way. And I'm going to point out every time you failed and every time you messed up. He's like, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to be a good, good father. That sometimes, yeah, hey, you done messed up, A.A. Ron, right? He might be that sometimes. But other times he'd be like, hey, it's all right. It's all right. Let's get up. Let's do it again. You're going to be okay. Right? And I think everybody's a little bit different. I think Brady and I actually had that conversation one time of, you know, I apologize, we didn't really talk about this, but I felt like my experience with God is very gentle. God's been very gentle, very gracious. Maybe Brady is like, God's been a little bit more like, what are you doing, Brady? Golly, come on. You know, I don't know if that's exactly, exactly it. But I think, you know, we all need different things, right? Different strokes for different folks. And I think God will be a little bit different. He knows what you need. We can trust him. So I want to encourage you that this this morning. I want to ask you, you know, what is out of tune in you? Is it desires? Do you just have all these other desires that are more important than, than following God? All right? Uh, I want you to look at those. I want to be honest with yourself. Write those down. Do you just feel like, yeah, I don't really have wisdom. I, I haven't really maybe been in God's Word very much. I haven't really been seeking wisdom and, and what to desire. Or what do I actually make my life about? I mean, I can, I can answer, you know, the Bible school. Yeah, make my life about Jesus. Well, what does that mean, right? And what does that look like? Maybe we just got to keep getting in God's Word and keep growing in wisdom. What does our life need to be about? Maybe it's just passion. Again, hey, uh, passion is not something reserved for the young and the energetic, you know, 
And maybe you find yourself, I'm older and I'm just more tired. Again, passion is not necessarily an emotion. It's not necessarily an energy level or an energy bar, right? right? It's an inwardness. And you can be very old and not doing very much and still have that inwardness to live for God and to trust Him and to keep doing what He has called you to do. And that's neat, and that's beautiful, and that's wonderful. But again, for, for everybody, you know, am I living with passion? Am I really living like I believe in Jesus, like I say I do? Am I really living for Jesus? Is my life really about God's kingdom here on earth and to see His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Am I living with urgency? Or am I trying to, you know, uh, I'm kind of just always back and forth on this. I'm going back and forth. I want some of this and I want some of that. And I want some of, of this of the world, but I also want some of this of God. And, and I'm, I'm constantly one foot in each camp, so to speak. You know? Is that, is that it? I encourage you. Keep trusting them. Again, remember, we desire things and what we desire and that passion, what we're looking for, we think is going to bring us happiness. And we don't realize that living with purpose, living for God, living for God's kingdom, I think you get all that stuff thrown in. Man, I think Jesus would never be like, yeah, my life sucked. I don't think Paul would be like, yeah, my life was the worst. Ugh, Jesus made me do all this stuff. You know? Peter, I don't think Peter would be like, yeah, my life was the worst, golly, woe is me, right? And again, they had hard times, I am sure. And don't be shy if you're going through a hard time right now that, oh, I can't ever like express like, uh, uh, what would be the word? Just, 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 I don't, I can't even think of a word. I can never express my true emotions to God. Express those true emotions to God. God, this is the worst. I am really struggling right now. Where are you, God? Golly, I need your help. Where are you? Express that. Golly, God's a big guy. Come on, we just read in Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God. You know, and, and some translations say uh, Jacob strove with God. Are you striving with God? Man, push up against him. I'll be honest, sometimes as a pastor, I like to kind of push people because I'm like, push back. Come on, let me see some life in those bones. Let me see some spiritual life. Push back on me. Come on, let's see it. Let's, let's, come on, you know, I could get a little fired up, you know, I played sports, you know, come on, we're trying to win the game, all right, we're trying to do what we came here to do, all right, amen, let's keep doing that together, man, is it faith, you know, is it faith, our, our faith has to keep growing, uh, as time goes, faith has to keep growing, um, you know, I, I have undergone one, at least one, uh, deconstruction of my faith, and I think it's a little bit par, par, it's par for the course. I think that's going to happen to all of us at different times where we built our faith on certain things and then we eventually, God kind of shows us, okay, some of the flaws and some of the uh, uh, real, uh, you know, just not solid, the holes in that foundation. And he wants to build back a stronger one. And you've got to keep growing with him. And you've got to keep walking with him. And that can be tough. It can be real tough sometimes. But that's important, and it makes us more, more uh, hardened, more concrete, and our faith in God more sure, and we're building it on a firmer foundation so that when really tough stuff comes, we're firmer in our faith, and it doesn't just whip us back and forth and throw us off, and we get in all these faith crises. So I encourage you, keep growing in your faith. What are you doing about your faith where it's at? Are you growing? Are you pursuing God? Man. How are you playing your role in lining up your faith and actions? Again, it is all God and some of you. I said that point last week. I know that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but 
But it is. It is God. Man, as Paul said, who can save me? It is God. Only God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Keep praying for God to change those desires, to give you wisdom, to give you passion, to give you faith. It is all God. But it is also you choosing that. It is also you willing it. It is also you wanting it and acting it out, all right? I want to grow in wisdom. Pray for wisdom and then go and do what would bring you wisdom, i.e. probably the most simplest form, read God's Word, right? And God will use that and bring that forward and bring that up. What do you need to do to play your role better this morning? Again, just encourage you very practically. I encourage you this morning. And again, grace and peace and mercy to us all. Thank God. I don't think it's always super... Sometimes it's very beneficial to be super reflective. And you've got to be reflective and aware of your shortcomings and where you're off. But then at the same time, you've got to take those eyes off yourself. And you just got to trust in God's graciousness and God's goodness and His power to work in you, to work all things for the good, Right? So he who completed, started a good work in you will see it to completion. And thank God when you know, when you become aware that you messed up, you done messed up, thank God that He's so gracious. Thank God that He is still my God. Thank God that He is so good. And be grateful and give Him a hallelujah, give Him a praise, and get back in there and keep going. All right? We keep taking baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. And golly, I love one of my, I didn't write it down, so I'm going to do it offhand to kind of close this out. I have this book on really like inspirational uh, poems, stories um, about these virtues. One of them is perseverance. And uh, man, I wish I had it because it's so beautiful. But essentially, it's like don't, don't ever, don't ever poo-poo these small steps because if you keep taking small steps each day, eventually you'll make it around the world. And uh, that's always an encouragement. And sometimes that can be very discouraging to feel like around the world is too far. So focus in on today. Don't think about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Think about today. What can I do today? And you're here today, so well done. You did a really good baby step this morning. You're here, all right? You're engaged. And keep doing that. And uh, I think you'll be surprised come uh, in a week will come in a month or even the end of the summer. Hmm, it may not look like I've, I've progressed, but I think there are some changes. I encourage you, as Reese and I and Kirsten driving back last night, listened to a podcast on fitness. He's like, trust me. He's like, you work out, you start a new thing for three or four months, you're probably not going to barely see any results on the outside. But he's like, I, but I promise you from a cellular level, from a biological level, your cardiovascular system, you are doing incredible things. So don't get too focused on the outside. All right? Now, we want to keep acting out our faith. Absolutely. But don't be too hard on yourself because God could be actually changing you tremendously from the inside and doing tremendous work in our hearts. So don't become discouraged if you keep sinning or you keep out of sync. Trust me, it'll fall. It'll come into place. And it'll just be more praise and more blessings for everybody around you. Amen? Just stand with me. We'll close in prayer.